Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. It is the last week of the regular season and that makes me excited because we have the playoffs coming up. Um, today though, we're not talking about the playoffs, we're talking about the award voting and I don't know if this is interesting to you guys, um, but I decided I'm going to do it. I am uh, sitting- Brian, Brian, yes? I'm sorry to interrupt, but before we get into the awards voting, I just wanted to make you aware that we have two book authors on the panel today. Um, one, Mr. Kirk Goldsberry, which you were about to introduce, and of course yourself. Can you give us a quick uh, two-minute spiel about what you've written about? Maybe Kirk can do the same. It's a spiel. Um, tomorrow, which is April 9th, uh, LeBron Inc., The uh, Making of a Billion Dollar Athlete, uh, is being released. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of – I'm in New York right now. I'm at the Seaport Studio. just did Get Up later today. Uh, I'm going on to the bastion of sports talk in America, CNBC's Power Lunch. I think will be terrific. To, we'll talk about um, the third-team All-NBA uh, ballot on there, uh, potential Coach of the Year ballots. Um, no, uh, so it's a story about LeBron's business, um, which actually the idea was given to me by someone on this podcast, Kevin Arnovitz. In fact, I think, Kevin, you even uh, – Kevin's joining us from Los Angeles. Uh, Kirk is uh, joining us from Austin, Texas. Kevin, I think you even gave me the title LeBron Inc. Um, about, I might have. About two and a half years ago, um, for which he received no royalty. I think I might have bought him an average dinner. A steak. Yeah, yeah I think I might have bought him an average dinner. Um, so it is a story about LeBron's business. There's a lot in there. There's already been an excerpt on ESPN.com that uh, talks about uh, the shoe contract LeBron signed when he was 18 years old. Um, talks about some of his biggest successes. Um, his Beats investment um, that turned into over $50 million bucks, The way he sort of finagled his way into 2% of the Liverpool Football Club. Um, and some of his biggest failures, which includes the decision... Um, which obviously was a huge moment in his business career, set him back. And the secret decision 2.0, which uh, happened, and you don't even know it happened, but is described um, in the book. And, and Kirk, I have to say, uh, I received my copy of Sprawl Ball within the last week. Um, your book, I'm going to throw this to you in one second, but it is one of the most beautiful books you'll ever see. I'm definitely envious of how pretty that it is. Thanks. Uh, my book also has LeBron on the cover. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's, uh, my book has a lot of pictures. For those of you who don't like reading books, here's a book for you. Uh, lots of charts, lots of illustrations by my friend Aaron Dana, who's the best illustrator in the NBA. But, uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, my book doesn't come out till April 30th, but you can pre-order it now. Um, and your book comes out tomorrow and there was a fantastic, excerpt on the uh, ESPN.com earlier this week. If people haven't checked it out, I guess it was last week, um, go check it out now. And I haven't sent anybody, any of you guys books because I don't have them yet, which maybe I should talk to my agent about. <laughs> Kirk, I sent them to everybody. I have seen them. I have the, I have one in my house, and then um, I have uh, – there's a whole box that arrived in, uh, in L.A. over the weekend when I was there. In fact, I was in our boss's office when she opened it, but I seem to have not gotten it, so you must have a better – uh, deal than I do. So, guys, we're going to move through this as fast as possible. Now, I have my ballot open. I'm actually going to fill this out. The way this works, um, the SPA, uh, you know, the NBA selects you to vote, and then you sign in through a secret password protected portal um, that's set up by Ernst and Young. Did, do you guys care about this, or should I just move on? You guys, is it, do you think anybody cares about the, these details? Um, back when I was. Um, uh, first voting like 10, 12, 14 years ago, you actually got the ballots in paper and you filled them out in paper and you like could fax them back. 
and I'm showing my age here. So, um, so we're going to start with the first ballot that comes up, uh, and the first ballot that comes up on the NBA site is the MVP ballot. So, Kevin, we're going to go to you first. Uh, unlike other ballots, the MVP ballot has five places, um, and I'll I'll listen to you. Uh, what you think? I mean, I, sh- Andrew, okay. should we go through the whole five or just like the first two on the MVP vote? I would say five, but don't dilly dally. Okay, all right, Kevin, don't dilly dally. Let's have. I'm your not going to dilly dally. All right, um, my first two slots are, are solid. I, I'm still working on my ballot, and I'm going to work probably through through Wednesday's game where I'll be at the Clippers Jazz. Um, I, I'm a I'm a midnight oil voter, and uh, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden as one and two, with five people eligible for my final three spots, and I, I'm still wrestling with all of those. Okay, Kirk? I got Giannis. I got a big piece on Giannis coming out uh, later this week uh, over Harden, and I think Harden will go down as one of the best seasons uh, that doesn't win MVP. Um, but then I would throw out um, Steph Curry, Paul George, and Jokic as rounding out those five. Okay, so I'm going with Giannis. Um, again, uh, I, I feel like I have to keep saying this. It's not a vote for Giannis is not a is not a hate vote for Harden. Um, I recognize Harden's greatness. I have voted for him in the past multiple times, including um, a year when he did not win. Um, the real issue to me is the incredible dominance uh, that Giannis has shown at both ends. I watched him against Philly last week, and I didn't. My, my mind was already made up. I had goosebumps watching that performance. It reminded me of LeBron James, roughly the same age. And frankly, I would rather be early than late, uh, crowning him as the best player. Um, so Harden will be second. Um, I'm going to vote Joel Embiid uh, third on my ballot. I know he missed a lot of games. I think when he's played, he has been absolutely phenomenally, uh, uh, he's an absolutely phenomenal player. I think he's got a chance to be an MVP in the future if he stays healthy. Uh, then I have Paul George third. I did, or fourth. I did have George, uh, third. I think his late season is, had him slip a little bit. And then Steph Curry, um, fifth. Um, so the next, um, the next ballot that pops up is coach of the year. Um, Kirk, we'll go to you first on this. I got Budenholzer. I'm not mad at people who have a different answer, but for me, if you look at the statistical transformation of that team, that group, um, again, as you said, this is a two-way group that's been the best team in the league all year. Uh, Budenholzer has rewritten their playbook on offense, uh, the most sort of spacey offense we've seen um, outside of Houston, maybe other places. But the three-point shooting, uh, opening up the floor for Giannis by design, um, really command some attention, turning that team into a top five offense. But then on defense, rewriting that playbook too, much less aggressive at the point of attack, sagging the bigs, protecting the basket. The stat I'll, I'll leave you with that really, I think, sums up how he's transformed their defense is they were last in the NBA last year in terms of giving up buckets at the rim. They were a layup line last year. They have reversed that. They are now number one in the NBA at protecting their own basket. Um, so for me, it's Mike Budenholzer turning a mediocre team into a contender, uh, arguably the favorites in the Eastern Conference, uh, gets him that award. Okay, Kevin? Yeah, I have Mike Budenholzer, too, and, and adding to everything that 
Kirk said. We, there, there's a vibe around good Mike Bootenholzer teams and, and what he's brought there beyond just elevating them to a top five offense, top five defense, un, unlocking Giannis uh, or creating an offense to do so is that it is just a place where every single person, 1 through 15, all the staffers, everybody like going to work. Um, there's a reason these teams have these regular seasons, and, and, and it's very much an expression of his managerial style. Uh, and I think there's a lot there. I then am choosing uh, among three other candidates for the final two spots. Doc Rivers, who's done an absolutely incredible job in a team that I, I don't know that we've seen a team in this much flux over a two-year period, and we have the Clippers. I mean, they've, they've literally cycled through three or four different rosters. Uh, Michael Malone in Denver, uh, a team that's had a really surprising season. And then Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, who qualified for the playoffs yesterday. And uh, one thing you'll notice on this uh, podcast, Brian, we will not talk about Brooklyn Nets for various all-NBA teams or all-defense right. or, or rookie of the year. They haven't had a draft pick since 2013, their own first-round draft pick, that is. Um, you know, we, we, will, we will touch on D'Angelo Russell on, on most improved but what he's been able to do with that roster is, is, is incredible. So I'm having a really difficult time uh, eliminating one of those three uh, gentlemen because uh, I, I think they've all done a fantastic job, as have others that aren't even on the list. So two of the guys who were on my ballot uh, were guys who were coaches other, well, other, other places last year and were sort of extracted out. Um, and it was questionable whether, whether they should leave. But Bud is going to get my first place vote for reasons you guys have already mentioned. The impact that he has made is huge. Um, and Steve Clifford is going to be um, uh, on my ballot as well. Um, that team, number one defensive team, uh, I believe after January 1st, January 15th, take your pick. That to me is, is, is coaching. And I think this should be a lesson for teams out there, um, especially a team like the Lakers. And they already kind of tried to put their toe in the water. I think, you know, I'm not saying that they actually went to Doc and, and did anything or back channel, but it was clear that they would have been interested in Doc if he could have gotten out of his contract with the Clippers. Doc was not interested and has decided to extend with the Clippers, but this is a thing. If you can go get a coach that you like elsewhere and can pull him out, um, Steve Clifford, I think, just didn't want to be in Charlotte anymore. I didn't think he, I don't think he left knowing he was going to get Orlando, but he knew he was going to get a job. And uh, he is on my ballot as well as Mike Malone and has nothing to do against Doc Rivers or Kenny or any other. Um, Candidate um, Malone took them from out of the playoffs to two or three seed, um, <clears throat> and they managing that team has been a, has been a challenge. So um, those will be my three votes there. Um, next up, wait, so what you do is you fill out it's a drop down menu. So while you guys were talking, I was putting my menu in. And uh, by the way, there's very little information given about these awards. And the MVP vote, it just says you have been selected. The, uh, the 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 winner will get the Maurice Podoloff Trophy, named after the NBA's first commissioner. Please vote for five players. There is no like that you should you should think about this or that. It is up to the voter to decide what the criteria is, and I do think that's important, especially an MVP. So once you get that, you submit the award, and it rolls over the next ballot, and then at the end you get a chance um, to. Um, to finalize your vote. By the way, if you, if you make a mistake, for example, if you accidentally put Costas Atenacumpo or Seth Curry instead of Steph Curry, the league will probably call you and say, hey, did you mean to do that or did this just, you know, get messed up there? Um, but that actually has happened in the past. Basketball season is in full swing. This is when the playoffs get rolling and the true contenders outperform the rest. Thank God it's playoff time. Tired of these ridiculous games late in the, in the season. Uh, these games do matter a lot, all of them coming up very soon. 
Uh, wherever you're driving your family and friends this playoff season, you should make sure your car has the right tires to get you there safely. Goodyear knows that performance is everything, whether it's on the road or in the playoffs out there on the court. So when it comes to choosing tires, let Akron, Ohio Zone Goodyear help you out at Goodyear.com, and they'll help you choose what's best. That's Goodyear, more driven. So the next one that pops up, uh, it's somewhat random, I think, but it's not like an order of importance. Uh, the next one that pops up for me is the most improved player ballot. Um, I will go first here. Um, this will be an award that I think gets split a bunch of ways. It always does. Um, to me, Pascal Siakam has blown me away in his dramatic improvement this season. Um, I'm not a, uh, I was talking with our colleague Tim Bontemps the other day. Uh, he is a believer in not giving the award usually to a second year player because he thinks, uh, maturation from year one to year two is inherent. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I definitely think that the third year players, third and fourth year players is where you often see this. Um, so Siakam is a third year player. Huge increase from year two to year three. I think he's got a chance to be a star in this league, a flat out star, does it at both ends, plays a different bunch of different possession, uh, positions. And then I have D'Angelo Russell second. I know Russell's going to get a lot of firsts and he deserves it. Um, I just think uh, Siakam, it's not anything against Russell. I think Siakam um, has been that good. And then um, in third, there's a couple of different ways you could go here. Um, I am leaning towards, uh, I, I guess I gotta decide because I'm submitting my ballot today. I'm actually leaning towards, uh, Nikola Vucevic, um, sort of as, you know, he is step, made a huge step forward. They're gonna make the playoffs for the first time in seven years, uh, in Orlando. I think third place on some of these ballots is a way you can sort of make a comment. I know he has no chance of coming anywhere close, but that's what I'm going. Um, Kevin, what'd you have on your ballot here? Uh, you and I share the first, uh, two votes. Um, which uh, Siakam, and I'm going to talk about Siakam later because he's actually elsewhere on my ballot, and, and D'Angelo Russell. Again, I think D- Russell's had a fantastic year. I think Siakam's off the charts. Um, I always find this to be the most frustrating award. I don't know about, uh, about you, Brian, because what I find is as I start to kind of find out the third place uh, person, I always end up in a situation where I'm asking, well, was he sufficiently crappier the year before? Or, oh, no, 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 look, his stats were pretty good last year too, so I can't. He hasn't sufficiently improved because... Uh, the jump isn't there because he wasn't terrible last year. And, and so I find it a really frustrating word in that respect. Um, here's some guys I'm considering. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich in Indiana, who I, I think like um, yep. Vooch Bryan is a guy who's just been a – he's gone from being an average player with defined vulnerabilities to a really good player who has shored up a lot of his weaknesses, I think particularly defensively. And um, to the extent that Indiana has surprised people – you know, Oladipo was lost. I mean, he is one of the reasons they've been able to maintain, you know, you know respectable record even without him. And um, I'm looking at Buddy Heald. I tend to share um, Tim's bias on that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm holding off on De'Aaron Fox, even though he's obviously improved, because I do think for really talented top five, top ten players uh, or lottery picks, that is inherent. Uh, so another reason I'm going to maybe hold off on John Collins. Thomas Bryant is also on my list. But uh, I'm leaning Bogdanovich like you are to kind of make, as you say, a statement. He's just a player who kind of below the radar has really, really improved. Blake Griffin, somebody else I considered at third also. Um, incredible uh, to outside shooting plus his game. Um, so, Kirk, yours? Well, I would agree with Siakam. Uh, I don't want to repeat everything you said. But, I mean, he's managed to, to, to sort of deal with a huge 
increase in playing time and minutes, games started, playing against better players, and his numbers are still way up. I mean, that's just one thing I'd add. Building on Kevin's points, I mean, first of all, Bontemps is crazy. Because most, <laughs> because most players do exhibit huge improvements in that time period, right. in that sort of age profile, that's, that's where we should focus our attention. That is the time. You should be getting better uh, at that time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Bogdanovich is phenomenal, by the way, not getting enough attention. Um, and then the two guys in the Kings market also not getting enough attention. Buddy Heal, which Kevin mentioned. But I would put De'Aaron Fair. Fox. Again, he is supposed to get better. Um, and I'm not going to penalize him for doing so exactly when we would expect to do so. I think he's a name that should come up more. Um, Siakam. John Collins, other, for sure. John Collins, phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, the other big who I would mention, again, in the Doc Rivers ecosystem is Trez. Uh, Montrez Harrell is sort of for sure. turning into, from a G League player, into like a Clint Capella-like um rim crashing big um, that is going to have a long career in this league and his development not just this year but if you look at two or three years of his development uh is pretty remarkable um but again i agree with you i think it's siakam the numbers are just too too insane and and the fact that he's playing for a contender i think uh, puts him over the top as well and a lot of nights where he had to deal with changing lineups because lowry and um and uh, Kawhi have been out a lot. Okay, next one that comes up on the NBA official ballot is defense the Kia NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Kirk, I'm going to go to you here for uh, your ballot. Well, I don't want to spoil uh, my piece later this week, but I'm I'm arguing Giannis's, and I think Giannis is the most versatile defender, not just this year but this decade. The guy is a beast. Um, he can guard the perimeter, and if he were just a rim protector, Brian, if he was just a rim protector, if he was just the Rudy Gobert role, I think he could be among the best in that role. And if you look at the player tracking stats, nobody is holding opponents to lower field goal percentages at the rim than Giannis. Um, not to mention the coaches around the team will tell you he is the best defender on the team, which happens to be uh, the best defense in the NBA. Um, his defensive performance this year has been phenomenal. Um, and since he's the best defender on the best defense in the NBA, he's got my vote there. I, you can't ignore other players like Gobert. Um, but in this case, I'm going Giannis. Kevin. Those are the only two players I considered. Um for Defensive Player of the Year, and I'm torn for all the reasons that Kirk said. Do I penalize Gobert for being a, cl- a, a drop five, right? Like just being a guy who protects the rim, and whereas Giannis is the single most versatile defender in the league um, and, and can do it everywhere, and I don't know, but, but Gobert has had such an impact on that team's success, and... It is every defensive possession. And one of the things I do, so one of the things I do, especially with the defensive awards, Brian, is um, I've had probably a dozen, a dozen and a half conversations with coaches, assistant coaches, and scouts over the last week since my ballot arrived. And I've been having a one or two a day, just kind of talking about the defensive awards, because I think those are the hardest to actually, from our standpoint, to really understand. So I want to talk to the guys who scout these teams and who are in charge of coming up with a game plan. And, and just talking to coaches about Gobert's defense and about how that is, it is an entirely different assignment scheming uh, your, your offense for, for a Utah defense. And, and that is what I'm hearing from coaches, particularly in the Western Conference, who've had to play this team four times. And so uh, I have Gobert slightly ahead of Antetokounmpo, um, you know, with, as, as, uh, as Kirk said, the understanding that I'm not 
I'm not going to penalize him just because, hey, he has a very singular function. Though, by the way, you know, you know, Gobert on the pick and roll um, in that drop, uh, the way they do it, and they, they don't drop, 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 drop. They, they, they it's, a, it's a really They don't drop, 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 drop. No, they <laughs> drop like two and a half drops. Just two drops. Um, okay. It's about 2.3 drops. Okay. And, and, and I, you know, it's just, it's, he's, Kirk he probably really has, has tracking, uh, you know, he probably has uh, spatial analysis on those drops. It's 2.3 drops, uh, for Good the job. record. Good job. Yeah, exactly. So, um, that, that's the deal. I, I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have Gobert with, with Giannis as a very close second in my depoy. So I also talked to some scouts here because this is just impossible for somebody. I mean, you really would have to know, um, the um, the all defensive team, which we actually we're, we're going to skip the all defensive rookie teams here, just because uh, well maybe all defense, but the rookie team we're going to skip just because it's a little exhaustive. I talked to some scouts on this because I do need their opinion. I, I do need professional opinion because try as we might, we just do not watch the game the same way. And I and I want to be accurate. And one of the answers, one of the scouts that I most trust, said not only is Giannis the most versatile defender in the league, he's one of the best team defenders. He doesn't just mean within the scheme that Milwaukee has, but the way he attempts to defend. For example, when he blocks shots, he really, really efforts to try to keep them in bounds. To you know, to, to you know, he doesn't try to send them to the, to, you know, to the stands. Um, you know, when he uh, is able to get steals, he instantaneously looks up uh, to try to create the fast break. Um, you know, w- you know, when he does his help defense, it's um, very much. Uh, aimed at uh, into the game plan, which is one thing that scouts, you know, will know that nobody else would know, which is, you know, is, are they following their general game plan? So very close. And again, anybody who goes with Rudy number one, I would never say anything bad about you. I've voted Rudy number one in the past, but it actually makes me feel better. I went with Giannis, and it's actually one of the reasons why I felt better about putting Giannis number one on my MVP ballot. I felt better about it because of his great defense. I'm going with Rudy two, and I'm going with Paul George. Uh, third, I, I probably would have gone with Kawhi. The, the Athletic actually came out with a player survey today. Um, they talked to 125 players, like Sports Illustrated used to do back in the day, and got a, a survey. And um, they had uh, Kawhi. The, the players voted Kawhi as the best on-ball defender. And I still respect that, but he has missed a lot of games. Um, and I thought Paul George had the, a career season. And for a lot of the season, the, the Thunder were the number one defense in the league, and he was the reason why. So Paul will be number three on my ballot. I don't know how you could possibly want more NBA analysis than we provide here on the Hoop Collective with our fantastic array of talent across the ESPN spectrum. But if you do, and thank God you do because it's your love of the NBA that keeps us all in business, please check out the Low Post. Zach Lowe and uh, his friends from across the league, coaches, executives, players, some journalists who are kind of lame, but uh, whatever. Uh, you check out the Low Post podcast uh, on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Low Post with Zach Lowe. Uh, next up um, is the Six Man uh, Award. Uh, Kevin, I will go to you, which is appropriate. You follow the Clippers closely, and we're going to have Clippers represented here, I believe. Yeah, I mean, how does it work when a team has two guys? Is it like the seventh man of the year award? Right, there is no I mean, seventh because... man. I mean, you know, how do you do it? Like, so, because I have, I mean, I, look, to nobody's surprise, I have Lou Williams, and um, I have Montrez second, and I have um, Sabonis third. And I, there aren't a lot of other guys. I, th- I thought this was one of the easier votes this particular year, and that's not to say there aren't great players who come off the bench for other teams, but th- this one was fairly easy for me. Uh, and again, maybe I have a little uh, staple center bias, but that, that's my ballot. Okay. Uh, Kirk? 
I just, it, I don't want to overthink this one. It's Lou to me. Uh, again, the Clippers bench unit has been spectacular and, uh, I love Trez, as I just said, but in this case, the points and, and leading the offense off the bench, I mean, uh, gotta go with Lou. So I am going to make a symbolic vote. Not at, not at one. I'm going to go with Lou Williams at one. Um, I, there's a number of people to consider at two for me. Sabonis, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, was terrific, uh, for much of the year up in that role. Um, Harrell, of course. Um, I'm going to make a symbolic, uh, vote at three. Uh, I actually would love it if, um, more of my, and maybe, maybe I'll talk Kevin into this. Well, who's, who's two for you? Uh, I'm going to go with, with, with Montrez, but okay. I just wanted to talk about the other people that I was considering. Um, Dwayne Wade will be third on my six-man ballot. Um, I'm not looking to defend it. I just wanted to honor him, and I think he's been terrific off the bench this year. Uh, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, he's really sort of a quasi-bench player, but then again, so is Lou. And uh, I'm putting Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's going to make my ballot this year in his final year. Uh, I hope you guys are cool with that. I don't know if you think it's good or bad. I'll, what do you think? Oh, I'm not a purist about these awards, particularly ones like Most Improved and Six Man, which are sort of novelty awards. I mean, it is it is kind of an odd award, as you said. Like Lou Williams is going to close games for the Los Angeles Clippers. He is functionally the the only thing that, that distinguishes him is he is not on the floor for the first six minutes of each half, right. but is going to play every bit the number of minutes as any closer in the right. league. It just is distributed differently. So I have no problem. In fact, Brian, I honor you for bringing a little sort of light and soul to a word that's kind of frankly a novelty. Right. Okay. So next up on the uh, on the list is uh, Kia Rookie of the Year. Uh, I believe it's my turn here. Um, <clears throat> Luka Doncic is the rookie of the year. Trey Young, I have said this on this podcast, has been the rookie of the last two and a half months or so. Love Trey Young's future. I'm going to go with Doncic. Um, and I also think that long term, as much as I love the Hawks and Trey Young's future, Doncic, because of his overall uh, skills and also his size, you know, he's just got such great size. You know, I was on Get Up this morning, and they asked me if I had to re-vote or redraft, which we did a few weeks ago, um, whether I'd still take Doncic one, you know, one, and absolutely I would, or Doncic at least ahead of Young, just because of his phenomenal size. Um, and with for third, uh, I'm going with uh, DeAndre Ayton, who in a lot of years I actually believe would have won Rookie of the Year. He had a phenomenal season. He just had it. He had a little bit of a slow start while uh, Doncic was dominating the league. And his team is terrible. But I loved his improvement throughout the season. Um, uh, Kevin, what do you, uh, where are you at on this? That is my ballot to a T, and uh, I don't really have much to add. I mean, I have Doncic, Young, Aiton, um, with, with, with a lot of, and by the way, really deep class when I started kind of doing all rookie, which we're not going to do, but just, it's a phenomenal. I mean, a guy, you know, I love Gage, Shade Gilgis Alexander's season. I love Marvin Bagley's season when he was healthy, and he's been fantastic. But yeah, that, that's my ballot as well. Kirk, is there much there? No, I got the same thing. I'll add a couple of stats that I think prove that Doncic is the guy. He's the, he's going to be the first rookie since Michael Jordan to average 21 points, six rebounds, and five assists. Uh, and the only other player to do that besides Jordan was Oscar Robertson. So, um, the, the, the fact that, that Doncic is doing that, I think, makes him far and away the choice this year. But in a normal year, I would say that Trey and Aiton could win this award. We've seen this award go to much lesser players than those two guys, so it's nothing against them. It's just statistically what Doncic has done this year is off the charts. you got to give him the award. And are you okay with Aiton for third? I mean, I, I, I didn't think I should overthink this one. 
I think he was underrated. I think, like you said, I think he sort of had a slow start, and he's a quintessential low-usage, high-efficiency big man. He can have a long career uh, dominating on both ends of the court. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally fine with him at three. Okay, so, Andrew, should we do the all-rookie teams, yay or nay? Uh, keep it short, and we can do it as much as you want. Mm, I, I, don't, I don't feel like it. Which means it's going to be difficult because to move on in my official ballot, I have to do the all rookie team, and I can't move on. Um, Let's go. Come back. You just yeah, yeah. yeah. Go. You can do that. I've done this. Do you know how many times I open and close and and yes, that's deliberate on that thing, please. Yes, that's um, just go that little arrow. It says uh, you you know you have to save it. You have to yeah. I know. It gives you a little red thing. You just keep going anyway. Okay. Trust me. So um, all defense. Now I want to be honest with you guys. I have not done. The, a lot of homework on this. So I'm going to go to Kirk first. And uh, uh, I, I'm going to need, some, I'm gonna need some, some advice here as well. Um, so uh, there's two teams. Um, you, uh, you do need to uh, go by position here. There's some flexibility on the positions, but um, it is position you have to pick. Um, you have to pick that way. So um, go ahead, Kirk. Well, as you know, I'm going to start with Giannis and Gobert, um, and then I'll fill in with Paul George, um, Eric Bledsoe, and uh, Marcus Smart are my first team. I think Bledsoe is underrated in this capacity, and again, because Milwaukee has had such a breakout year on defense, you can't give all the credit to one guy. Bledsoe, there was a great quote, I forget who had it this year, uh, it was this last week, but when asked to, to comment what, what Eric Bledsoe does to to his team. This was an opposing coach. He says he destroys our offense. Um, and so I, I've, I think Bledsoe got rewarded with the contract in the middle of the year. I think that'll prove to be a good contract. Uh, but the, the Bucks get two guys on there. And then again, Paul George has had a phenomenal year. He's tailed off on both ends of the court since the All-Star break, but he has had a phenomenal year. Gobert is a clear guy. Uh, and then I'm throwing Marcus Smart in there, who is my favorite player to watch play defense. By the way, before I go to you, Kevin... <clears throat> um... I want to use the exact verbiage that is on the ballot. Please vote for the player at the position he plays regularly. Um, that, that, that is an interesting <laughs> statement, but there is no more information than that. Sometimes you can call the office. Most of the time, they're, what they do is they're going to take his, his points at both spots. Um, but, uh, okay, go ahead, Kevin. All right, so I, I'm going to do it a little differently than Kirk because I'm I'm still sort of sorting out my ballot. It, this is always my hardest vote. I'm going to do it by position. So we get basically four guards, two first team, two second team. I have three guys already locked in. And the first team will be Marcus Smart and either Eric Bledsoe or Drew Holiday. Um, I love both guys. Um, what Holiday does defensively is so nuanced, so brilliant. He has been so good for so long. He also played, I think, about 10 or 11 games fewer than, than Bledsoe. My fourth guard is probably going to be Danny Green, who hmm. has uh, had as good a defensive year this season with Toronto and is still the best transition defender in basketball um, and has done so much to, to stabilize that defense. And I, I looked at Derek White. I looked at Pat Beverly. I looked at Mike Conley um, and, uh, and, among others, and, and Clay Thompson, who I get a lot of uh, coaches telling me. Um, so, so Thompson was another quick uh, or last-minute cut that was, that was tough. Right now, I am struggling on forward, Brian. I am struggling. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a lock. And then I have five guys, and I have only three positions. In other words, I have another first-team spot and two second-team spots. 
And those individuals are Pascal Siakam, who I'm pretty much convinced now is my other first team forward at defense, which would leave Draymond Green, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and P.J. Tucker. And here's the problem, Brian. I feel like we need two different teams. There is the all-defense if we're in the last five minutes of a close (laughs) game and you do not want to have to oppose this guy, right? right? Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Joel Embiid. Those are my all... The last one possession or five possessions or ten possessions of a, of a game that matters. But the truth of the matter is, Kawhi Leonard has missed 20 games, and frankly, he has coasted during games he has played, and I have seen it this season. Draymond Green, still, I think, the most sophisticated defender in basketball, has also coasted for, frankly, long start seasons. P.J. Tucker does not coast. P.J. Tucker is... Every single possession is trying to kill you. By the way, Same that's the very, the very lame... Um uh, the uh, slogan for the city of, of Omaha, like, is "We don't coast," which I think is very <laughs> incredibly lame. But you're on a river bank. Is that a coast? That's not. And the fact the bank is actually overflowed dramatically in recent uh, weeks. Yeah. Um, and then Paul George is is is, is also there again, a, a guy who I, I thought was going to be my first team uh, forward, and, and I do think the injury is real. I mean, <laughs> his candidacy in a lot of respects has sort of been uh, compromised by that shoulder, and. Um, but, but he's also. I have to. But I don't think I, we can. Um, Paul George, by the way, because I had this issue too when when talking about All NBA and my MVP vote. We just because he's been not so great for the last month or so doesn't disregard the greatness that he had. He had the best season of his career for the first four months of the season. This just is true. But um, it, it's, it's a really tough one for me. So I'm probably going to leave Kawhi off, which just seems sacrilege. But I feel like you know I don't know that he's played 60 games. And I, by the way, what is the number of games, Kirk Bryan? What are the number of games where a guy ceases to be eligible for your uh, for your teams? See, this is difficult because a couple of years ago, I voted for Joel Embiid as Rookie of the Year when he played 31 games. Now, granted, it was a, it was rookies a, it was a different. Da- I know, but still, um, here's in my mind, it's a representative to the point where you think it's been a representative season. You know, and you know, Anthony, we haven't heard Anthony Davis's name on this ballot. Anthony Davis has played a lot of games. He's played um, fifty. Well, fifty-six games. That's not a lot of games. No, man. That's, I, I that's, thought it was. Like, that's, that's I thought it was over the season. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. over sixty. Um, so let me just ask you this, uh, because I, I'm just not selling. Oh, on I this. have my center. You want my center real quick? Yes, second. Rudy team Gobert, center. first team. Second team is going to be either Miles Turner, Joel Embiid, or Stephen Adams. Leaning Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner. Fantastic. I considered him for third on my ballot for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, right. uh, shot. He's having a. Outstanding shot blocking season, and they've been good defensively. It's more than the shot blocking, though. I mean, I think there's this thing where, like, there's po- young Pogo sticks coming into the, to the league, and as you said earlier, they'll, they'll you know the SWAT shots out of bounds. He has mastered the art of being the back line general on a really good defensive team that has had a lot of moving parts, and, and frankly, a lot of guys who aren't great defenders individually. And he has gotten so good at it, and so, uh, it, it seems crazy to pick him over Embiid. But again, I, I just I, right now I'm leaning that way. One, you've uh, you've really got me to open just in this conversation, open my eyes towards Danny Green. By the way, Danny, I don't know how much you like ESPN uh, Real Plus Minus, but he is number one amongst all shooting guards uh, in defensive. Not plus a surprise. Um, do we? This is a name, and I'm not going to go over my my bout. I'm not really settled, but you guys, are, what, what about Andre Iguodala, who's had a phenomenal defensive season? Uh, no, I, does he merit? I, also, I don't know whether you put him at guard or forward. To be honest with yeah. you, but right. Um, uh, 
do you think that I should be considering him on one of these two teams? I mean, I, look, I, he could also fantastic, a fantastic defender and, and arguably one of the best team defenders in, in the league. And I, um, it's just really hard because we're talking about 400 people and we're talking about essentially, what, 12 slots or, or 10 slots rather. You know, I mean, I think you should be considering him. I think we should be considering Al Farouk Aminu. I think we should be considering Joe Ingles and Al Horford and Paul Millsap and okay, Malcolm Brogdon. All right. All right. So this is the very, very important vote. <clears throat> this is the last vote. Uh, and the third team is going to be the big one. Uh, all NBA. I'm going to start here. Um, I've got Harden and Curry is now. Now this is, I will read you, um, again, the thing here. Um, you may you have to vote for the player who the position at the position he plays regularly, but they do want two forwards, a center, and two guards on each team. Um, no ties may be awarded, etc. Um, this is a very important vote because this is the vote that determines contract bonuses and contract bonus eligibility. Um, and while people that frustrates people, um, it is the best of a bad situation. The players don't trust the owners slash uh, teams, and the teams don't trust the players. Um, we've seen. Uh, you know, I always point to the the teams vote for rookie for executive of the year, and the year that Pat Riley signed LeBron James and Chris Bosh, he didn't he got he t- he only tied for executive of the year, <laughs> and and the Bulls actually received more votes. He tied with Gar Foreman, but John Paxson got some votes, so that means actually the Bulls got more votes. You know, pettiness reigns. There have been other years. You know, Daryl Morey isn't always well liked amongst his peers. He should have won the of the year several times beforehand. There's pettiness all the way through. We've seen the votes from the players, both in their players' awards and both in their on their all-star ballots. There's some embarrassment there. I agree that we are not the perfect solution here, but we are the best of the, all the bad choices. Um, this year it's going to be the third team vote that is going to be vitally important, but I will cycle through uh, the first. Why don't we do the first two teams and then have a – have a serious discussion yeah. about the third team. So my first team is um, uh, my guards are Harden and Curry. My center is Embiid, uh, Giannis. And uh, the second, the only really difficult choice for me on the first team, uh, All-NBA, was the second forward. Could have gone with George or Kevin Durant. I elected to go with Kevin Durant. Durant has finished better. Um, sec- my second team, um, a little bit of discussion with the guards. Damian Lillard is a lock for me. Kyrie Irving, it's been a difficult, challenging year. But I think he stands a little bit ahead of all the guards we'll talk about. Um, I have, uh, and this is also a little bit of a discussion because he doesn't play great defense, but I thought uh, Nikola Jokic will be my second team center. Uh, and my second team guards, uh, Kawhi, Leonard, Paul George. Uh, for the first time in 11 years, I, LeBron James will not make uh, first team All-NBA. Um, he is on my third team ballot, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but uh, Kirk, to you for your first two teams. My first two teams, well, my first team is almost the same as yours. Curry, Harden at the guards, um, Giannis at, at the forward. I have Paul George, again, to, to back up your earlier point, how phenomenal he was before the, the All-Star break. It, it, we can't be prisoners of the moment. Uh, I have Jokic as my center on the first team. I think it came down to him and Embiid, and I give the tiebreaker to team performance over the over the course of the year. I'm not mad if anybody has Embiid over him. That's fine. Uh, my second team is Lillard. Uh, I have Westbrook. Durant, um, Kawhi, and um, and Bede. Kevin, 
Um, right now I have James Harden and I have Damian Lillard as my first team guard. And okay. the Lillard versus Curry is still undecided. There, there's some outstanding precincts. I really want to study it. <laughs> Those uh, rural precincts uh, that have, uh, you know, punch card ballots still haven't come in. Yeah, I just hear, but I just, Dame's season has been absolutely phenomenal. For sure. And, and, and yep. his team has been incredible. And, and he made and, first team last year. Wouldn't be out of, wouldn't be out of line. I, I just, and he's so durable, and, and it, it means a lot. Uh, Paul George and Giannis Antetokounmpo are my, my forwards, and, and like Kirk, I have Jokic really just nosing out Embiid and have no objections to anybody who has Embiid, who will anchor my second-team center with uh, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin as my forwards. Kyrie Irving and either Steph Curry or Lillard, I, I'm, I'm still, that is the toughest, uh, again, outstanding precinct, outstanding race I have right now. Uh, and I will hold off on third team because it is a mess right now. Right. Okay, so this is where we get into it. We have five players whose third team makes a contractual difference for them. Carl Towns has already signed his extension, but if he makes third team, and the window here is open because Anthony Davis, who's been first team the last couple of years, is not, um, you know, and he doesn't always play center, but he's made first team center the last two years, uh, or at least first team, NBA, uh, first team All-NBA the last two years. He is ineligible for his... Basically, his trade demand. I don't know another way to say it. Um, so that opens the door for for Carl Towns. The other players, uh, Clay Thompson would be eligible for the super max as a free agent, two hundred twenty million versus one hundred ninety million as his max. It's worth thirty million dollars to him. It's worth thirty million dollars to Kemba Walker. Uh, again, two twenty versus one ninety at the max. Uh, then we have uh, Bradley Beal, uh, who, if he gets on the third team All NBA, is eligible for a super max extension. He can extend four years to the two years he has left on his contract. I guess that's four players. Four players, I think it really matters to you, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Um, all of them are candidates. Um, to me, I'm putting uh, LeBron and Blake Griffin as my third team forwards. Um, Blake had a phenomenal year. Kevin had him on second team. I don't necessarily argue that. LeBron, even though it's been a disappointing season, he only played in the 55 games. I do think it was a representative season. Um, he got shut down at the end here because they're tanking. I'm not going to penalize them for that. Um, his numbers were phenomenal. They just weren't LeBron numbers, um, but he did make my third team. I decided to go with Rudy Gobert at third team center, so I'm apologizing to Carl Towns. Um, I think Rudy Gobert's numbers are more representative, uh, excellent at both ends, uh, even though Towns has really, in my mind, chased it lately with numbers. A little bit empty in my mind, even though he has been playing great. And the mess, guys, is guard. These are the guys that I Ugh. have listed at guard. Ugh. Here's my and, now, and, if, and if and if I have left anyone out, please speak forward when you come up, and we'll go to Kirk first. Um, or who did I want? To, who did I go to first last time? I, anyway, here's my here's my here's my consideration for the two guard spots where the money really is down. <clears throat> Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal. Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Clay Thompson, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, and Ben Simmons. Who 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 is who, whose turn is to go second? I can't remember. Is it Kevin's? I'll fall on the sword because this is okay. messy. And uh, look, my my logic is simple. When guys are close, I look at team performance as a timebreaker. Um, and for me, the the four guys that are sort of close for my third team are Clay, Kyrie, Beal, and Kemba. And I have Clay and Kyrie simply because they look like they're going into the playoffs. Clay Thompson is an all NBA player. He is a defensive player. I'm a sucker for guys who I can say that about when it comes to all NBA. I hate one way players and Clay Thompson is certainly not one of those. You know, at the beginning of the year, he looked like he was going to have an off year. Uh, and then he ended up right where we would expect him to. He's averaging over 20 points. He's shooting 40% from three. Uh, and again, he's one of the better defenders on the wing. 
Kyrie Irving statistically has had a great year um, for the Boston Celtics. If I was going to say somebody else other than Kyrie, it would be Bradley Beal. But again, my two guards where it does get messy, uh, Clay Thompson and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, um, I, I'm a little conflicted about team success um, because, it, 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 in fact, third team is often a place where you can reward a player through no fault of his own. His management team is, you know, not playing to win or whatever. Like, I, it seems like Mike Conley is my choice for third team all guard. Uh, he's had a fantastic year. When I do kind of player comparison on on um, on Basketball Reference, uh, his 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 stats favor really nicely um, against other guards that I'm considering. Uh, he has shot the ball well. He is a superb defender. Uh, he he has marshaled that team. I know they have struggled down the stretch. They have traded away you know his key dance partner, um, but I'm all about Mike Conley. And then I'm down to Walker. Butler, um, Beal, Simmons. I didn't mention Jimmy Butler, yeah. Yeah. Beal, Simmons, Thompson, Westbrook, Bledsoe. I am all over the place. And uh, I I don't know if I'm going to sort this out much before 9 p.m. on on Wednesday night. Uh, Ford, (laughs) similar problem. My final picks are Pascal Siakam, who, uh, beyond just improvement, anchors that team on a nightly basis. As you mentioned, Lowry and Leonard are often rarely together on the floor in, in the regular season. And this is the guy who has just been the fulcrum. He is one of the three or four most versatile positional players in the league. Um, he can de- he is an excellent option for Toronto defending the point. He changed the series against Washington in the playoffs. Granted, not a criteria for this season. But, but is a guy who is superb at the top of the floor and is a superb rim protector. One of those rare guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo who can do it all. Um, he facilitates. He is a terror in transition. He is such a good passer in the half court um, and, is, and is actually starting to figure that out a bit. Uh, I, I just love everything about him. I'm also looking at Kawhi Leonard, but I'm having real problems at 59 games. Uh, and that also contradicts my general philosophy, which is the game should only be 59 games. <laughs> to be only 59 <laughs> stuck games. In a so I penalize a guy for doing best practices and preserving himself for when I know it matters. So I'm, I'm doubly conflicted there. Uh, Gallinari is a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of consideration, but should. Uh, his numbers have been fantastic this year. And you talk about team success. If you do want to talk about team success, um, that team is you know flirted with 50 wins. Yeah, I think um, when Kawhi has played, and granted, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll grant you, I just think he's been great. I yeah, he's, he's been, been great. great. He's absolutely been great. Um, though I, I don't know if he's been as great as, as MVP when I voted for him for MVP. Well, his, his PER, and I don't know how much you care about PER, his oh, PER I, I is, PR. is not career high levels. He's right. he's having um, a career the, high in scoring, but he's averaging a career high in shots too. Uh, uh, the final person I'm thinking it, it forward and, and talk me down. I know he's not a two way player. I know there's not a lot of team success there. I know that he doesn't even technically play forward um, now that you know Sarge is in the starting lineup. But it is hard to look at Carl Anthony Towns' statistical profile and not see an All NBA player there. Um, I don't think it's just stat mongering. I think this is an exceptionally talented offensive player, and I have to give him consideration. I'm not going to give him consideration at center at third team because that's for Rudy Gobert, but I am going to give him consideration at power forward, where when he did play next to Taj Gibson, uh, he is, he functionally was the power forward in that team, um, and I, I'm considering him at the one of the forward spots. Kirk? Well, my forwards on my third team are Blake. Uh, I know that you had him higher, Kevin, and then LeBron James. If I had to pick somebody else, Tobias Harris hasn't been mentioned. He's had a phenomenal year. I know he switched teams in the middle. 
Um, and then my, my third slot is Rudy Gobert. And here's a bone to pick I have with the NBA. Uh, at the all-star time when we make these votes, we vote for two guards and three, quote, front court players. But for this ballot, which affects people's money, uh, we have the center position. Why don't we have the center position for all-stars anymore? Brian, do you have a good answer for that? And or why isn't there a consistent taxonomy of, of basketball players at these two huge sort of honorary uh, votes? I don't know the exact answer, but what I do think was happening was um, some years the center position there was there were forwards being left out in the center. Like there was one year where Dwight Howard, I think, was the leading vote getter amongst all um, people because there was no competition at center, and the lack of competition at center um, made the ballot not that difficult to fill out, made it less difficult to fill out. And so I think by including more forwards, it made the ballot process more of a race. Um, but I can't say for sure that's why they did it. I'm just searching my memory. I think we need centers back in the All-Star game. Call me old-fashioned. Uh, but regardless, I think the, the three centers at the, at the All-NBA um, vote are pretty clear. In some order, Jokic, Embiid, and Gobert. Um, and I'd, just, I'd like to see some of these guys get in the All-Star game more often. And What are you doing at guard? Yeah, Kurt? guards, Kurt. 13. My God. Oh, my third team guards, we did this. I have Clay and Kyrie. I have Clay as Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, sorry. I, I forgot to. Um, okay, so that's... That's, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I don't know, it's difficult. I, I really do want to give it to Clay. I really do. And the irony is, knowing Clay probably won't even take the Super Max. He'll probably just take the regular Max because that's how he rolls. But, um, you know, I just, I think he should be, I think he should be honored and they're a great team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go that route. And, uh, you know, Kemba Walker's numbers are phenomenal. But his shooting numbers are down, and and you know none of us are going to have Russell Westbrook on there, and he's going to average a triple double for the third consecutive season, and um, I'm, I'm fine with it, by the way. I mean because his numbers, his uh, you know shooting numbers and scoring numbers are down. All right, one quick bonus one: um, Executive of the Year. Uh, this isn't something we vote for, but um, Kevin, I'll go to you for. I, you know, I, I haven't even given that much thought to it, but do you have a? Yeah, I mean, it's always a tough thing to gauge on a yearly basis because, you know, yeah, so sometimes much you get voted for like two years ago is sometimes. Right. And, and, and I think like, you know, Bob Myers winning it a year that basically, you know, he acquired Sean Livingston. Right. But it was really about honoring Bob Myers for building, you know, helping to be the architect for a team that would, you know, it, it achieved what, what they had over time. So, you know, you're, you're crediting him for previous draft picks and Draymond, you know, a couple of years prior. So, you know, on one hand, you can look at John Horst, um, the young executive, uh, you know, who, who, uh, in Milwaukee and just say, hey, look, you know, to the extent that, you know, uh, he had a hand in, in hiring Mike Buttenholzer, the, the contracts like Brooke Lopez, the midseason deals, you know, for Miritich and, um, and George Hill uh, to really stabilize that team and just sort of you know, working with Mike Buttenholzer to, to, to sculpt that vision is, is he, you know, he is a natural, um, you know, he, he's a natural candidate. Um, you can also look at the swashbucklers with the Clippers and say, okay, how do you lose Chris Paul, sign Blake Griffin to a, a five-year deal at, you know, age 28, 29, and then flip it into, you know, great cap position, uh, a playoff berth, despite the fact that I think there were a lot of even voices in the organization who would have liked to have retained that draft pick, but just staying competitive, building something uh, meaningful, that they're really sculpting a culture there, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's what management is supposed to do. And, and you know, is sort of the team of Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger, um, 
you know, deserves some consideration there. Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, look, Daryl Morey for undoing and then redoing. Uh, that, that's an interesting choice. I and mean, you can go up and down this list, and I just have a really tough time isolating a single season's events and saying, but those are some of the um, some of the teams I, I, I would absolutely consider. And by the way, Messiah Giri, let's not forget that. That is a huge risk. Uh, I think risk aversion is one of the worst plagues of NBA front officehood. And yet, um, he traded a franchise player who everybody loved and wanted to be there, risked mutiny in the locker room to bring a guy who's got one year on his deal. And why? Because he felt like you had to push all in. And I have so much respect for that kind of moxie uh, in a league that I think can be very risk-averse, where everybody's managing not to get fired. Right. Well, and and, and Messiah doing what he did. Daryl does not fear risk. Um, I would just add one name. Um, John Horace is a very strong candidate for, for offseason. Um, Brooke Lopez signing. I don't remember if you mentioned that. Um, in addition to the moves he's made. Plus, yep. going back to the, uh, did he do the Eric Bledsoe trade? I'm fairly certain he did. That was last um, year. I'm fairly certain he did. That, that turned out to be a pretty good trade. Also negotiating an extension yeah, with Bledsoe. Absolutely. Um, Tim Connolly. But do we give him this year for last year, right? That, that's, well, that's, that, an example that's what comes like, on this. Yeah. Tim Connolly. Yeah. Um, you Tim know, Connolly, absolutely. The Nuggets didn't make major transactions this season. Right. Um, there, there's a perfect example of a guy who should right. be eligible. I mean, they re-signed say, oh, a bunch only of Only the players. last 12 months, right. you know, you wouldn't, right? And so they, that, they re-signed a bunch of their players, and they traded right. away some guys just cash dumping. But if you look at that team, the team is built. There's nobody on that team who's higher than a seventh pick. Um, mm-hmm. he's done a great job with lower first-round picks and second-round picks. Um, so I think Tim Connolly and John Horst, to me, would be right up there. Uh, Kirk, do you have a, you have a choice? I have here? another name. I have another name. And uh, Sean Marks deserves some attention. Yes, because I John, Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and if you go transactional level, there's nothing you can put your finger on that says, oh, man, Sean is a master. But... Kevin said this earlier about the Bucks, and I'm going to get to John in a second, but the culture around the team, creating that vibe, creating that energy. I mean, the Joe Harris contract this offseason was great, but uh, D'Angelo Russell, this this would be akin to the Bob Myers uh, year because this is about a, a, a guy who, would you say, they didn't have their own draft pick since 2013? They have not had their own first-round draft pick, Kirk, since 2013. And here Which they isn't are really a bad thing, except for they've been one of the worst teams in the league for the last five years. That's when you want your draft pick. He was, he didn't get that job, you know, they were in a deep, deep hole and he has now dug them out of that hole and they're in the playoffs. And I think, uh, he deserves some credit as does Kenny Atkinson and all the other people, but Sean, his name doesn't get mentioned. He's an old friend of mine, an old colleague of mine, but so I'm biased, but let's give him some love. I still think if it's executive of the year and we're looking at transactions, John Horst has two or three of the best transactions of the year. Uh, I think the Brooke Lopez, the O'Brien you just mentioned, uh, transformed that team's offense and enabled them to create this spacey offense that's taking over the Eastern hey, Conference. Now, now, by the way, if, 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 if the Sixers shock the world, do we want to put Elton Brand on that list? Well, the vote, I think, comes in now. <clears throat> we don't get a right, chance there, to watch there him lies the, the problem, right? Um, I mean, yeah, and, and then, no, my other, the other transaction I can't be um, overlooked is hiring Mike Budenholzer in the first place. That's and true. so I think... If I'm voting, I'm biased, so I'm going to vote for Sean. But if I'm not biased, I'm going to vote for John. Um, but again, depending on how you define this award, what success looks like, is it a transactional award for the best transactions of the last year? I, I don't know. Um, but I think Sean and, and John are, are my two choices. All right. Well, the, this has been educational for me as well. Um, my ballot is, you know, 
Kevin will will be hearing from the league office when he doesn't have his belt. By the way, Kevin, they do, in the old days they used to start giving the awards out within a week, and they needed to like have the ballots in so they could start to secretly arrange, you know, getting the key of representatives in the car in place and everything. Now they don't give out the awards till the end of and the at the end of June. So there should be no reason for them to whip, to uh, whip us into line. But that said, the emails have already started coming. You got your ballot, right? You know, okay, send it back. All right, thank you very much uh, for listening to the Collective uh, Podcast. Brian, yes. When when does your book come out again? My book comes out t- tomorrow, April 9th, LeBron Inc., The Making of a Billion-Dollar Athlete. Um, you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, what have you. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it. Um, got to get over to... CNBC Power Lunch now here in New York. Um, thank you to Kirk Goldsberry. Thank you to Kevin Arnivis. Thank you to Kyrie in Bristol. And thank you to um, Andrew Hahn, the producer. And thanks for listening. Appreciate it.